Welcome to another episode of the Ambitious Legacy Podcast. I'm your host, Sabine, the Purpose Lawyer. Thank you for listening and thank you for helping me be on purpose. So today I want to talk to you guys about a different type of trust. A lot of times people ask me about types of trust, so I wanted to get it a little little bit into some different types of trust. So today we're going to talk about a spendthrift trust or a self-settled spendthrift trust. <laughs> Try to stay with me. Um, and the reason why I want to get into it is because it offers a lot of protections, but it does also come at a cost. So a lot of times when we're thinking about, you know, what sort of ways can we sort of hide our assets or we can, you know, put them overseas and things like that. Um, we don't think about the downside of it, right? Because it sounds sexy, but at the same time, there's a lot that sort of goes into it. So I wanted to tell you guys a story about this individual who um, got some ill-gotten <laughs> gains, right? And, um, you know, multiples of billions of dollars and stored it offshore in, a, in an offshore trust and wanted to, you know, essentially um, benefit from that. What happened was he found found himself in some legal troubles, ended up in court. The courts found out that he had this offshore trust with all these funds in it. And when you have this offshore trust, you cannot be the trustee, right? So you can't have control over it. There obviously needs to be somebody who's over there in whatever that country is or that island is. And so they have control over it. But the individual could get access to the assets when they wanted to they were like sort of controlling the trustee without it being being so on paper and so because he was in these legal troubles the court said listen we know that you can get the trust assets so we want you to um you know bring the assets back so that you can pay this you know debt that you have and they were like no they're not going to do it so the court was like okay well you can now stay in jail since we don't have control over those assets and we don't have control over that trustee but guess what you are in the united states so we have control over you and we're gonna keep you here until you do so so that's one of the pitfalls of having these offshore trusts if you're trying to do domestic you know dealings uh because they have control over you um you know unless you know, obviously you could escape and things like that, but that's not where we're going with this. Um, if you're trying to leave, live a life here with people who you love here, um, you're not going to be able to fully, fully um, hide your assets. And there's also a lot of risk when it comes to these type of trusts, because that third party trustee that you have that is located in this other country, you're essentially giving full ownership of your assets, not ownership, but full control. And so if something were to happen to you, you know, who is to say that these assets really existed? Who is to say, you know, that you have authority or your loved ones have authority to go benefit from these assets? So that's part of the problem. There was another um, scenario, and I can't remember if it was in the same story or not, but the person, um, similar setup, had an offshore trust, had, um, you know, multiples of millions, I believe, in the trust, and then passed away. But because they had set it up so far removed from themselves to really like hide it and pretend like they didn't have any assets, when they passed away, the spouse went to the island to um, tap into the trust. And when they got there, the trustee was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> what trust? <laughs> what assets? Right. And so now what can that person do to prove that you actually own those assets? And if they did prove that you actually own those assets, 
what do you think is going to happen? There's going to be tax issues. You know, there's going to be, you know, probably criminal issues, although the person's passed away. But, you know, it doesn't necessarily work out the way that you think it is. And I'm not saying it's impossible and like nobody could use it or whatever the case is. I just wanted to, you know, talk about this to sort of highlight the risks involved in having these types of trusts. So a self-settled asset protection trust or self-settled spendthrift trust, the way that it works is, you know, you create the trust, um, you yourself uh, cannot be the trustee, so you're not going to be in control of the trust. Now, I what I just talked about was foreign, right? Those are the, the foreign trusts, but there also are domestic um, asset protection trusts. And so uh, you yourself cannot be the trustee, you have to have a third party. So it could be a professional company or trust company, or it could be someone, an individual that you know, or um, someone who's savvy to be the trustee of that trust you also can then be the grantor of that trust. So people ask me, not grantor, the beneficiary. So the person who creates the trust is also known as the grantor. They have to find a trustee, which is the person who's going to manage the trust. And then they also want to be the beneficiary so they can get the benefits of the trust. Now, some states don't allow this. So they say, well, if you're the beneficiary, then it's basically like having a regular, what we call revocable trust, where it's the same as you. Your creditors could go after it. If you get a divorce, it could, you know, it could be vulnerable, all that good stuff. But some states, a lot of states have been creating this now where they allow you to have some sort of asset protection and also be the beneficiary of your trust to be able to get full access to um, the assets that are in the trust. However, how does it play out in reality, <laughs> guys, when the somebody I was watching something, someone kept saying when the rubber meets the road. So I'm going to use it now. When the rubber meets the road, how is it actually going to play out? Um, is that if you are also benefiting from this trust that you created and there is a lawsuit in a state that doesn't um, recognize these asset protection trusts. So say you live in New York, which doesn't really recognize these trusts. Um, and you start a Delaware asset protection trust and you're like, well, all my assets are going to be owned by that Delaware asset protection trust. And so now um, you can't come after me. So if it's something that's going to be like taxes, you already know Uncle Sam doesn't play that. They're going to find every single way to get their money. If it's something like taxes or any sort of like government related claim, likely they're going to be able to access it. So it's not foolproof. But what it does do is that if you do have, um, you know, a creditor or a debt, they would then have to go to that state. So uh, there's, there's a New York lawsuit. They will have to then go to Delaware to start a lawsuit against your trust to be able to gain access to those assets, right? So it does give you a higher level of protection because it makes it harder but in some cases, you know, those assets can still be attached. Like, say there's like a child support situation. Mm, there's a, a, a likelihood that you're going to still be able to get access to those assets. So it really depends on your motivation. What I, why, why I'm going, even going into this is because don't think that there is a blanket way that you can do criminal activity and fraud and hide your assets and no one's going to be able to get it. Not likely, right? Not likely. But there are some ways that you can make it harder for people to go after your assets. But even with that, you know, there is like a higher cost. There's like higher maintenance because now you have to have a trustee in that state or whatever it is to manage that. Um, that trust is going to have a higher tax rate because irrevocable trusts have higher tax rates. So and that type of trust is considered irrevocable. 
Um, so you, you know, you kind of give and take. So it's a way between how much control do I want to have versus, you know, how much asset protection do I want to have, right? And that's always the balance when we're doing planning is to kind of, you know, talk about what the motivations are and what the goals are to decide, okay, what actually works for you? Because yeah, we could give you a bunch of protection with zero control and it still not be a thousand percent protected. Um, however, you know, you have that. But if that's not, it doesn't really work for you. If you're trying to move and shake and do all these different types of things with investments and, and live your life, right, <laughs> then that may not be the best protection for you. So it's I love that everybody's doing their research and being informed. That's exactly what we want, because you really want to know that the people who you're working with know what they're doing. So you can't police that if you have no idea what's going on. So it's excellent to do your research and get some understanding, but also know that it may not exactly work out the way that it sounds. <laughs> There's always um, a caveat with these things. So um, I hope you got a lot from this episode. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next time.